Welcome to Moonday Mystic by Modern Mystic Shop, the podcast where we help you harness your intuition, your personal power, so that you can live a magical life. Okay, we are live for our first Moonday Mystic live virtual event on YouTube. So thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we hope that you enjoy this conversation. So what we're going to be doing here, I'm just going to explain a little bit because it's our first time out of the gate, is it's the second Monday of the month. So we're always going to gather the second Monday of every month with a new guest at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to have a live conversation here on YouTube. I'm going to introduce our guest, Claire, in just a moment. And we're going to do part interview. So get to know whoever our guest is and talk about whatever projects they're working on. And they're all experts in the metaphysical space. And then we're going to go into a little bit more of like a workshop or an exercise. So the goal is that you learn from the conversation, but then you also leave with tools to apply to your spiritual practice should they resonate with you. Uh, if you're joining us live, that's great. You're going to be in that real-time energy. Uh, if you're watching the replay, that's amazing too. And then you can also find us, uh, the podcast episode on Moonday Mystic, M-O-O and day mystic anywhere that you listen to podcasts and we're going to push this there uh, in a week from today and then also every other monday that we don't have a guest i'll be just shooting the breeze and sharing um, my insights and experiences about the topic so this the next four weeks our topic is going to be ancestors inspired by claire goodchild who is our guest here today you might know her from the Antique Anatomy Tarot. That's how I was introduced to her, Black in the Moon on Instagram. She also has the um, Arcana of Astrology Oracle deck and the Book of Seances, which was such a, I think, groundbreaking and pivotal book. It was so beautiful. And now, for those who are watching, you can get the sneak peek of the Book of Ancestors. And this is the topic that we're going to be heavily discussing today. So welcome, Claire. Hi, I'm so wow. excited to be the first. I know, me too. We were just discussing, luckily, we're, this is our first time doing this. We appreciate everyone joining in and we know each other. So hopefully it's going to run smoothly and there's a, a, a rapport as we've developed a friendship over the years. I'm so thrilled to have you. Uh, just before I let you jump into it, I know I've been hogging the mic all this time so far, but I just really loved this book. And I'm just going to give you some praise to start. We'll gas you up. This is so comprehensive. So if you guys have any interest in any aspect of ancestral work, there's no like one way to do it. And there are so many different exercises and approaches and ways to get aligned with your lineage and your ancestors through this book. It is thick and there is no fluff. I feel like everything here is um, very valuable. And from the practical, like how to research your ancestry, and I got big into that having one, once, especially once I moved to New York, to the more spiritual side with tarot readings and other forms of divination to connect with your ancestors, um, addressing trauma and that role that it plays in how and our desire to connect and how we connect. So I just recommend if if your interest is peaked just a little, I feel like this is the only book that you would need. So thank you for your service in creating this for everyone. 
Holy, that is like the best praise ever. The oh. only book you need. I don't. I don't know if I agree, but. <laughs> okay, she can't agree because she's being humble. But I mean, mm. I, I just well, I guess for me, the reason why I say the only book is in my practice, I don't actually tend to use a lot of outside influences and in research. For whatever reason, I kind of have the habit of experimenting on my own, and then what I tend to use books to validate what I've. Do, right. So I found that happened in your book. Like I'll just be inspired to do things a certain way and then I'll look it up in a book or read about it. And it's like, oh, that is how people do this. Um, so maybe it's the only book that I need. But you, on the other hand, what I love about you is you're a researcher. You really bridge the gap between um, like science and study and research and sort of like the intuition, psychic sort of mediumship. Um, tell me about that. Why Why do you think the research piece um, is part of, of how you approach these topics? I think if you're going to do something like this, like work with spirits or, or even dabble in like anything metaphysical, you need to know why and the theories of how it might work, right? Like you wouldn't, it's a good example. You wouldn't like start cooking something without the ingredients and history is part of that whole thing, right? Like, why do we read tarot? I want to know why. And I think everyone else should want to know why too. Got it. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's super valid. And it's what I love about what I think this show is going to start to bring to light is that there are different approaches. So I'm sort of like a learn by doing and then mm -hmm. kind of like research afterwards. And I feel like um, you also have learned and you tell in the story, you've learned through doing and practicing over many, many years of this ancestral work. But uh, we get to benefit from your study and the combination of your research and applied. You've applied what you've learned in a really beautiful way. See, I think like because you experiment with things, but you still research after, right? So you're you're just doing it in the other order. Like I think that is just as good. And it's almost I want to say better, like how you always text me right when I'm thinking about you. Like <laughs> yeah. you're just very in tune with what's, you know, going on. So I think if other people work like that way, you can start that way and just look into things after to just confirm you know what you believe yeah I think that's beautiful well I kind of jumped ahead because the conversation went there but um quickly do you have like a snippet about how you came into sort of witchcraft and some of these practices and and sort of how and why you, you dress it in the book but just for our audience how'd you get into this and why so I was kind of I say was but I am an awkward kind of person I'm a little bit of a nerd and quiet and I, I kind of kept to myself when I was a kid and I had a family friend who was um, a practicing Wiccan and she said to my mom hey I think Claire would really be interested in, in this kind of stuff and so I just immediately started <laughs> getting every book I could from the library um, you know this was 1999 I'm giving away my age so the internet, you know, there was like five pagan websites available and I just went over them over and over and over. And um, it kind of bumped into my beliefs about ghosts because in that community, the Wiccan community, I'm not a Wiccan now, but, you know, I identified that way 
probably until I was 21. Um, but death wasn't this like scary, horrible thing, you know, like it, it can be sad, but it wasn't this fearful thing. Like you have sometimes, um, you know, satanic panic and Catholicism and that the other side is this horrible place. And the witchcraft community didn't believe that, you know, like mm -hmm. they said it could be more. So yeah, it just kind of all came together. And then I started making tarot and I wanted something death themed. And if you've seen the antique anatomy tarot, you know, it's anatomy. There's lots of death, but I, I wanted to make it pretty, you know, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So it just all came together. And so I'm really thankful for my mom's friend because I don't know what I'd be doing if she wasn't, right. you know, around. So, yeah, I think we all fall into it in different ways, right? Yeah, agreed, agreed. So um, it sounds like you had this interest in, in death, wherever that was. When was it uh, on this path where you became aware that spirits were accessible after death? Oh, so this... Um, is the story I tell in the book of seances, but uh, in 2016, uh, another family friend um, who's basically like my father, uh, like a father figure, he mm -hmm. went missing and uh, I decided like, okay, I'm going to just try and use what I'm comfortable with, which is tarot. I'm, I want to know where he is. And I got um, the King of Cups from the zombie tarot. You've seen it before, and mm -hmm. it's the the king underwater, and um, I was like, oh, he drowned, and <laughs> that was kind of what my family had suspected anyway, and then it was confirmed two months later, and I was like, oh, he was telling me what I needed to know in a way he knew I would listen, yeah. and that's kind of how it all took off. I'm like, I need to know everything about spirit communication in, you know, the realm of divination. And, yeah. Yeah. I think so that's not really the happiest. Key. No, it's okay. But <laughs> I, I think that's the key. Mm -hmm. Two things I wanted to comment on that is the key that you said was they communicated to you in the way that they knew you would listen. And mm -hmm. I have found that to be the case with communication with deceased loved ones, period, period. And for right. me, and I, and the second thing I want to validate is for many people that have this interest, I have found personally and through, you know, talking to a lot of people about the subject matter because I'm into it too, um, that it's usually a loved one that comes through first. And I think that also has to do with the way that you will listen because you're comfortable. It's not like a random quote unquote ghost haunting you. It's someone that you have a desire to connect with. And so for me, you know, my, in retrospect, it's again, me experimenting and then learning for me, it was, um, my, uh, either junior or sophomore year in high school when, um, one of my best guy friends died by suicide. And I was, uh, we had this song together that we would always <laughs> debate about Freebird because I would shut it off after like they started jamming out. And he's like, that's the best part of the song. And it was like our inside joke. And then for years, everywhere I went, like, every grocery store, when I would turn on my car, like that song followed me and I just knew, and I'm getting chills now, I just knew it was Wes. And that was how it got, he got me to pay attention of like, that was my first realization of like, oh, we can actually connect with these people. Um, and they often like to. Yeah. They do. Yeah. I mean, 
I hope, you know, even though there's still sort of that like skeptic side of me. So I say like, if there is something else, I mean, I want to talk to my loved ones. Yeah. Like who doesn't? Yeah. For sure. For sure. Have you found, um, cause I have found this, I'm wondering, have you found with, um, anyone in your history that you've connected with after they've deceased that your relationship actually got stronger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I grew up not knowing very much about my paternal ancestors and I, it's kind of hard to explain, but I identify like very strongly. I look like them. I act like them. Um, I'm basically my dad's twin, except I'm, you know, light hair and he's dark hair. And like, other than that, we're the same person. And I always heard all these negative things about them, like that side because of their addictions and things like that. And then two seconds later, the people who were saying these things would turn around and be like, oh, you're so much like your dad. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm this horrible thing. But then after when I started, you know, connecting with them, I learned so much more. Like, Mm -hmm. we aren't just, you know, the sum of of other people's experience of us. And I think that's important. Um, Yeah, so it's weird, like these people I never met, but I feel closer to them sometimes than my living family. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any um, examples of any sort of like personal stories of ancestral intervention or blessings or something that you've seen in your reality shift due to some sort of connection or petitioning? So I never had that kind of someone's going to step in and really keep me from doing something or or show me where I should be doing Mm -hmm. something. Um, for me, it's been a lot more subtle. I mean, maybe I've missed some things. Like, I feel like I, I would, it. right? <laughs> um, but I, I've heard a lot of stories when I was researching, you know, like people suddenly in car accidents and they're somehow outside the car or, you know, nothing's, there's no windows broken and, and there's no way that they should be outside the car and yeah. like claim, you know, that it, it's people stepping in yeah Um, sure but yeah like mine are just so (laughs) subtle they're like hey you know grab that thing over there and and do something with it it's not I I sometimes wish it was more but you know well it matches sort of how you approach this work actually because Mm -hmm. to me your whole thesis is you know, small daily actions and commitments over time, small nudges, small changes that build. Um, And so that would make sense to me that that's how you're also experiencing the connection with your loved ones. And it's, you know, how often do we in real life with living relatives have these peak experiences? Usually there's like the day-to-day interactions, the special occasions or whatever that are more mundane. So I, I feel like that is very much in alignment with your, your flavor, you know? Oh, yes. I, um, <laughs> so I feel like some people are going to read the book and be like, do I really need to work with some plates that were left to me by my aunt? You know, like, but right. it's, that's the important stuff because, you know, they use those plates every day. You know, yeah. that's where you're going to find the most, like the, the mundane things, all those little things are what create someone's life. 
you know, like, yeah. like you said, no one is having these big moments every day unless maybe they're like Taylor Swift, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think she's the only person who could probably say that. Like the rest of us, you know, we just live our lives the best we can. And that's how you need to connect with, with your ancestors. I love that. Is there a difference in your definition between the kind of communication that someone can do through your book, both of your books to connect with deceased loved ones and mediumship, or is it a form of mediumship? How, how, or do you separate the two? So I don't separate the two, which usually bothers some mediums. Okay. I don't mean to, it's just, you know, (laughs) any deliberate communication with the deceased is mediumship. Like it just is, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I just think there are some people who have it more on tap. Got it. Like I'm someone who needs to work with something like a tool. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's people who don't need anything and they just hear things or see things, but yeah, it's all mediumship. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, yeah, and I think it has to do a little bit, and I don't know that you go into that in this book so much, but people have different psychic senses and different strengths. And so just in the spirit of what you said, they communicate with you in the ways that you pay attention. I think that also lends itself to sort of you knowing um, your senses, right? And like how you can most easily tap in. Um, Another thing that I love about what you do you're very good at defining words. There's a lot of definitions in here. And I think that's good to be clear, right? I think it's really good to be clear. But what I loved that you uh, sort of normalized for me was the word hauntings. Because I think Mm. pop culture, movies, whatever, just like with seances, all the top, you hit some taboo like subjects when it comes to like Hollywood depictions. Um, you do a great job at defining that. So could would you mind talking a little bit between about the difference between, I've never used heard these terms before, but it makes sense, intelligent hauntings and residual hauntings. And um, just to help people kind of like normalize some of their experiences. So it's easier to start with residual hauntings, which are like an imprint on the environment. Um, mm-hmm. There's no consciousness consciousness of a spirit there. Um, it's just something that plays and something triggers it and it plays on a loop. It can be, you know, you see someone walking up a set of stairs or, you know, you hear a weird sound and it just, it's stuck and it just plays over and over. But there's no actual human person, you know, controlling it. Whereas an intelligent haunting is deliberate communication. So you try and communicate with them and they communicate back in real time and it's a conscious you know, apparition of, of a person although not really an apparition because an apparition is like the physical manifestation sure and everything else would be just like a spirit kind of consciousness um yeah so if you feel like something's interacting with you that's intelligent and if it just doesn't know you're there and it's just happening over and over again it's residual and it's like it's like when you, this is the weirdest, dumbest example, but you know, when you like clean your kitchen counter with bleach and it gets that kind of white film after, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that is like a residual haunting. It's just kind yeah. of there and you don't always see it. But then once you wet the counter again, you kind of notice the streaks. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think some common ways that I've seen that in my like attunement is sort of like, and churches, it's like, I just feel like at churches where there'd been like people that come there every day and they go to mass and they pray the rosary, like for decades, like I can just see it. Or even in front of my store, um, when I was spending more time with them, my store in um, Ponce City Market in Atlanta, it's like, even after we would close, I could almost see like an overlay of just like the people walking back and forth in front. And I don't know if that's like a haunting or if that's just residual energy from whoever was like walking back and forth that day. But I remember the first time that became clear, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like I can, it's, I don't, I actually feel like it's very crowded in here, <laughs> even though yeah. I'm the only person here right now. See, that's definite. it's a residual haunting, right? Because it's something that happened from living people and it's just stuck there. Also, I like how my, even my example is so mundane. I'm like, you know, when you're cleaning yeah. and you're like, oh, these people in church praying and I see all this. And like, it really highlights actually some of our conversations we've had and how we approach things. It's great. Like, yeah. Yeah. That is funny. Um, so I have this belief and I'm be excited to see if maybe you, you don't, but I have this belief that our ancestors are actually invested in our evolution because the mm -hmm. work that we do sort of moves the lineage forward. I'm curious if, if you hold that, that belief or have a different understanding. So I think by default, most are interested in us, um, uh, especially the ones closer to us or the, or the ones that we I don't just mean like emotionally, but in our lineage, you know, sure. um, there's a couple generations back. You mean yeah. I, okay. I generally like for me, I work with five generations and under usually. Um, okay. But there are people who feel connected to ancestors, you know, who are 20,000 years behind, you know, and that to them, it's just as powerful. So I think it really depends on the person. Um, and then, you know, I have adopted friends who feel no connection at all and don't want a connection with their, you know, blood relatives. Actually, I should say, I do consider adopted family to be blood relatives, just like metaphorical blood. Um, mm -hmm. But they feel close to their adopted family, you know, because that, that's their people. So, yeah, I think it, it really depends. And I think it depends on ancestors belief as well like okay not everyone will always care but I, I think a lot do okay that's interesting yeah and then another a belief that I have that I'm wondering if you share because I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this one um is that maybe we if you believe in reincarnation which I don't know if you do uh that we can join back into our own lineage have you ever thought about that or have an opinion I, so I believe in reincarnation. I don't know if um, it's something, well, obviously I don't know if I've done it before or if I will do it, um, but I, I like the idea, you know, and because we are going to be someone's ancestors one day as is, but it'd be kind of cool to see if you can connect to like an older version of yourself, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, one that existed, you know, not to get too nerdy, but there could be a bunch of parallel universes right now, sure. you know, and there is a version of you, you know, at, in a different time, like if time's infinite and then the universe is infinite. And so, yeah, I mean, why not? 
Why like, not? Yeah. I think it's fun to think about. I, it came to me um, in the healing modality that I do. Um, you sort of, we clear from just like not what's happening now, but from the root. And oftentimes we can go, this might segue into the trauma conversation. Um, the trauma is actually passed down, I guess, epigenetically or just through the lineage. And so we would go back and actually heal the origin point in the lineage. And there was just a couple of times where like, that was me, like when I was doing the muscle testing and figuring it out and I was like, holy shit, I think I was my like great, 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 whatever way back then. And I like that idea. I I don't know anything for sure, but I, I do like the idea of that because it makes me feel like we can kind of like repair and we can, you know, move forward. And, uh, I don't know, I like the, I like the, the thought of it. <laughs> I like know. that too. Uh, honestly, like, so I've had this recurring dream forever that it's 1888 and I'm stuck in a chimney because I guess like, yeah, I'm just, that's how I died. Uh, it happens all the time. Um, I don't know if it's actually, you know, a past life or anything, but yeah, yeah I think like, oh, like <laughs> what a way to die for <laughs> like yeah. horrible, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, I think that's the only like real kind of past life or, or lineage thing that I could even think of remotely close to what you've experienced. Um, I tell you this all the time, though, like I think you're so connected to everything, you know, oh, like thanks. So I think it's natural for you. Um, maybe it doesn't come so naturally. Well, I appreciate what you, I've learned so much from you and I appreciate, I feel like you create shortcuts for me. I'm like, let's, let's clear research and write another book that I can learn from. so I can make sense of whatever's happening to me. So I appreciate your, your way of doing things is, is so right for you and so valuable. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're, that you're doing it. Um, well that kind of segues. So I, I, when you sent the book to me, I just started tearing up. And the first thing I said to you probably was, damn, I can't remember exactly. But this quote just like hit me. And it was, we all have ancestral trauma, but ancestral tra- ancestral trauma is not all we have. And I mm-hmm. found that to be so powerful. And I'm curious, um, what compelled you to so artistically, I find, I'll call it artistically, share that sentiment in the book and what does that mean what is that lesson that you'd like people to pull from that so when I started writing the book I wanted to talk about how the idea was kind of born out of my trauma um and as I was writing it and connecting and doing research and and all the fun stuff I got to do for it um I realized the idea that one person has this obligation to heal everything that Mm -hmm. is a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. for one person it's too much pressure um so it was important for me to tell people like ancestor work isn't just exploring this stuff and you should explore trauma I think everyone should you know therapy and work on inherited trauma which is huge it's it affects a lot of people but are you going to want to connect with your ancestors all the time if it's always heavy right. stuff? Um, it doesn't mean that not in the spiritual bypassing way or anything. Like, it still needs to be done. But you need to be able to tell some fun stories or, you know, 
even just, again, the mundane stuff, like what did they do day to day? Like they didn't just live their trauma. Yes. Everything we do is through filtered through, you know, our experiences and all that. But the, the idea that we just walk around always having to feel this and why would you want to connect if it's all you're going to have to get used about? Um, and I feel like every other book kind of really puts a lot of pressure. And okay. there are some amazing ancestor work books out there. Um, but it, it made me kind of tired. Like I was already going through a lot and I'm like, I want to connect with these people and I don't want to connect just on this one thing. Um, in, in a weird way, I guess the book was almost like a healing trauma thing yeah. for me. So it, it sure. makes me feel kind of like a hypocrite, but I didn't go into it, you know, with, with that idea. I actually wrote that section of the book last because um, I, I really wanted it to reflect what I went through in the four years of like researching and then the year and a half of making and writing the book. Um, yeah. And it, it, I didn't expect to go there exactly, but I'm glad I did. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I think it ended up being really unique and like, yeah, just don't put so much pressure on yourself to heal everything. You know, yeah, it, it, it's too much. <laughs> no one person can do that. And, as long as you strive to be a little bit better or, or fix what you can in a meaningful way, then I think you're going to have a good time with ancestor work. Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with what you're saying. It's almost like, just to make it practical, like when people exercise, you know, if you're suspected to exercise every day and you hate whatever this form of exercise is, you're going to be less inclined to maintain it and keep it up. But if you like, you know, jumping on a trampoline, then maybe that's the exercise for you, you know, it, it makes you excited to do it. I, I think you're right. And there is a lot of talk in like the new age, spiritual, self-help, wellness, whatever XYZ community about, about trauma. It's like really a buzz, a buzzword and ancestral trauma too. Um, and I think all things exist, right? So, and there's a ritual that I made uh, to heal the ancestral line that I did get to include in, in our, in our book, um, and that's really what came to me was like the, in our ritual, it's salt and honey. It's like the tears and the sadness and the sweetness. And I don't think you can get out of any family history without both things. Right. And there's that acceptance of like, okay, these are certain things I'm not going to perpetu perpetuate and bring forward because it goes against my ethics and morals and how I want to grow as a person. And then there has to be, I think like this level of acceptance about, um, about that. And acknowledgement. I think that's where the spiritual bypassing doesn't happen. It's like you can acknowledge it. You can change what you can um, without, I guess, making it the only focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think everyone is also going to have their own balance, like how much they can reasonably handle. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, there are like big traumas that you can't do by yourself. And you right. shouldn't do by yourself, you know, right. like, and you need a therapist and you need support, you know, to help yes. you through that. And I don't think enough books talk about that. So yeah. I was like, you know, I made sure to write like, hey, if you're going to approach some of these things, you need to have a plan of how you're going to be supported because yeah. you can't do it by yourself and yeah. you could end up hurting yourself. And yeah, there are. Yeah, it, it's just, 
I felt a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. to tell people about this because I didn't see it in a lot of places. Um, but at the same time, like you can have, it's okay to focus on other things too. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. And you're going to have your own, how much you can do. Right. So, yeah, I agree. And I love also kind of the way that you approach this work is with the daily practices is with the tiny rituals and, and the different steps of, of doing things. And when I was reading through this, like nothing felt like too much, you know what I mean? It's, it's just under, and you even say that you're like, understand how much you're willing and able to dedicate and make those sorts of agreements. And you know, it's, Again, I don't know why the gym analogy, it's like the first year everyone's like, I'm going to go to the gym every day. You might read the stuff and be so amped and sort of over promise. And I think your approach, and this is my approach with ancestor work too, is like, they're not actually so different than your relatives like that are alive. And, you know, you maintain those commitments or you renegotiate and you show up, you know what I mean? And how you show up and you're mindful and it's the, um, it's the investments that you make over time again. And that's what I really admire about what you've seemed to have done with your practice. It's that consistency over time. Um, and I mean, no shade, it's not glamorous. And like, that's what devotion and discipline isn't always glamorous. And I think people are waiting for like, Oh, like, you know, my dad's a classic case. He's like, why won't my mom, like he always wants to talk to his mom. It's like, why won't you just like show up, (laughs) you know, like, right now I'm asking her. I was like, it's the daily deposits almost. And those, I call them energy links. I think that that's how I see it. It's like these little links of energy and every day you do it, it strengthens the link and it makes it easier for them to, to connect with you. And when you miss days, you kind of miss a link. So how do you build those energy links over time with these people? Just like you would build a relationship with your relative or a new friend, or it's not really that different. And also kind of how you talk about boundaries in the book is the same thing. It's like, that's how I explain, you know, mediumship to people is like, not everyone could just come through my front door. I think you use that analogy, like the door is one and then there's the lock, et cetera. Um, It's all a lot. I mean, you've done great research and then there's a element of common sense, right? <laughs> I mean, and there's an element of, you know, treating your ancestors like you would living people and having similar agreements. Yeah. It, so the reasonable amount of things that came out of me, who is not reasonable at all, and I'm always <laughs> over promising and over dedicating myself to everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think that comes with the ADHD territory, you know, chronic idea of people um, yeah, yeah. follow through not so much uh, <laughs> yeah so because I lived it I was able to say don't do this because you will yeah. end up feeling bad and, and you right. won't want to connect because you know you've broken these promises so right yeah like start small always okay. for anything just start small sure what do they say under promise over deliver <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's not so different um, okay. So I just, in the, my last question for this phase of our conversation, I'm, I'm curious what the past four years in writing this book has meant to you. You've mentioned a few things, but, um, you know, is there anything that was just so, so meaningful and high, that stands out? Yeah, I think, um, so I dedicated the book to my paternal ancestors. Um, just the things I learned about them that weren't just so much 
make doom and gloom, mm-hmm. you know, they're the sum of their addictions and that's all we'll ever be because that's not all I am. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way it was for them too. So I think that is what was my takeaway. Um, but of course there were fun things too, that I, I think are important to like, I loved getting to know cemeteries better. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. always loved cemeteries. <laughs> Went to them a lot with, you know, around and, and my maternal grandfather, he's done a lot of work. He did do a lot of restoration projects with cemeteries. So I'm familiar with them, but I got to learn them in a new way. And that was really fun. Um, that kind of stuff has been my takeaway. I think, I don't think that'll be the takeaway for other people. Like, I think they'll find it useful. Um, mm-hmm. They're not going to be like, oh, wow, she learned how to do something with a plate. Like, that's not the most exciting, <laughs> but to me, it was thrilling. Um, so, yeah, the learning things about my ancestors and then just the fun stuff. Like, yeah. You know what? I'm going to say the whole book was my takeaway. Like, yeah. Just, I loved writing book and I was so lucky that my publisher and my editor she's amazing she's just like write whatever you want like I trust you and then mm. when she read the draft she was like so thrilled I'm like, oh, thank God. oh that's so you know? good so, yeah I thought that was going to be my last question but I have another one that came to mm-hmm. mind I don't remember if you cover this in the book do you cover anything regarding geographic locations and visiting I can't remember specific places uh, so I do talk a little bit about like if you're able to travel, like especially if you're in North America, I think there is like as you know a colonized place, and, and not everyone, but almost everyone is from somewhere else. And like if you can connect to that, and like there are a lot of people that can't because you know their stories were taken away from them. Right. Um, so you know, how do you navigate that exactly? But I think if you can, at least in stories, like you can read books about the places, Mm. you know, your ancestors lived and you can learn folklore. And, you know, I think as long as you're not crossing the bridge into cultural appropriation, then, you know, try stuff out and and read about it. And that can be a way you can travel. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also, you know, getting to know your immediate neighborhood you know because mm-hmm. that's going to be part of your story to mm. you know when you're someone's ancestor like where you lived and what you did every day um but yeah when I was in Scotland I actually like felt this weird feeling inside my bones like like that is where my body wanted to be um, yeah which was I'd never experienced it before because I don't really feel that here um yeah in Ontario like I love Ontario, but yeah, I just don't feel that overwhelming. Like it's like almost like your blood is vibrating. I'm sure you know. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And I I would highly encourage if you have the means and the accessibility to visit some places for me, the two, two things of note that were just so moving is for me, it was Sicily and I went there last year and I know that my um, part of my family is Sicilian and I was just, I was just walking alone, kind of meandering and I turned a corner and saw this market and I just started crying. I was almost embarrassed. I was just so moved. And I, and like, this is me like stumbling into things. And then upon 
studying about it understood that it was like a very specific point where my ancestors probably originated from. And then also I'm so lucky to have followed the call back to New York and I didn't realize it until I did, because I've been doing the same thing as you, especially for the past couple of years, not the same thing, but I've been really researching my um, familial history and I found that my great my grandmother was born three blocks from my apartment, like down to the building. And then my grandfather um, likely lived on Elizabeth Street where my store is. And they both were immigrated from Italy. And I live basically Nolita means north of Little Italy. And I didn't even realize that when I found this place, I was just like, I have to live not just in New York, I have to live right here. And I'm very aware of that. Just I think about this all the time. It's like, my ancestors literally walked down the street hundreds of times and we're about to have the San Gennaro festival in my neighborhood. And I was just like, you know, I know for sure my mom at least went there for the, and for the past 70 years, like people have been, my family have been going and then probably since the originating time. So if you're interested in these things and you have the means and they're safe places to travel to, it's, it's one way I think that you can like you said, it's like you resonate, it's like a resonation with these certain places. And I can call it nothing short of a calling sometimes, like a pull. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I've been to Ireland and I didn't have that. And I'm Irish. I didn't have that same, that same feeling. And I also, you know, some of my family is supposed to be from Rome, the Rome area. And I went there and I was like, well, don't like this, but there's just certain PowerPoints or something where it's like a tuning fork and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah exactly it's like little I think I call them in the book like anchors you know like mm-hmm. little anchors that we have like I, you, your word is links right but mm-hmm. like yeah same thing it's that, that little connection that you feel yeah um speaking of so I know I texted you about this but yeah t- let's I, do it let's get into it okay so share I'm very rusty okay, okay but share what you're doing so whenever I go on a podcast, I pull cards um, and automatic write, but I haven't done it in a year, um, automatic writing. So bear with me. Um, this could mean nothing to you. It could mean a lot. And if it means nothing, we can just talk about it. So the first thing I wrote down was frogs. Uh, I don't know why. And I wrote, but out of place, like on the subway. So. I don't know if that'll be something you come across. I don't know why frogs. I that that was it. That's all I got. But then I, <laughs> so I decided to do uh, the spread kind of the one that we're going to share um, shortly um, about what ancestor was reaching out to you. And I got the Knight of Pentacles, so you know, Earth sign, um, young, blah blah blah. But then I had this weird feeling that they lost money due to thievery, which was really specific to me. And then so I asked for more and I got the King of Pentacles and then Justice. And it was like something in their youth switched and they ended up working for the government. And I don't know what exactly. Um, Definitely a guy. Uh, And (laughs) so you're not going to love this because I know you don't like this. Well, not that you don't like this card, but this card is the tower. Yes. Uh. Um, So I asked like what kind of, um, what (laughs) what size do they show you? And it was the tower. And I was like, 
not in that they're giving them to you, but rather that's when they show up, this one person. When you're having like power moments, they are there. And then I also, so like, I did know that you live close to where your ancestors were from. Um, and I kept getting three of pentacles over and over and over. And I was like, okay, so maybe I thought, okay, did you help build the building that, that they lived in? And it was like, no, because they gave me the eight of pentacles, which is, you know, building and working, but it was more like they have literally carved some sort of symbol into the building where they, where they were. So I don't know if you oh. can investigate that, but there's something. That's cool. Yeah. So a couple of validation points for you. I would guess that this is my great grandfather of my grandfather's side, paternal great grandfather. He came here with nothing, um, lived in this neighborhood, and he did work for the government. He actually worked for the sanitation department. And that's how, you know, they gave the Italians like literally the shit, shitty jobs, right? Like during that time. Um, and that's where he, that's where he worked. And also I would say my grandfather also worked for the government. Um, he would work for the postal service here. And so both my grandfather and my great grandfather had like government jobs their whole life regarding, I don't know, carving in or anything like that. I, I can't speak to that. I wonder how I would, I would look for it. And then the frogs I'll be on the lookout for, because I have seen frogs within the past couple of weeks, actually. I went on a retreat, and there were frogs everywhere, and I never see frogs. I mean... Were they singing at night? Yeah. Because I yeah. had the... Like, so the subway thing, like, before the subway thing, I was, like, <laughs> going to explain it. You know when you're trying to sleep, and you're, like, you know, by a lake, and then the frogs just start all night long. Oh, croaking at once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what it made me think of at first, and then I was, like, but it felt out of place. Like they need to be somewhere out of place. Well, I'll start looking for them and maybe that's like a new sign that I can look for. Cause mm -hmm. I love looking for animal signs around. So I'll look for that. But yes, I have not seen a frog maybe in my whole life. And then two weeks ago I saw dozens and dozens of these little baby frogs just everywhere. Um, so that does resonate as far as like a recent experience, but thank you so much. What a, what an honor to get that, that reading from you. Um, and now I'm thinking about, where they might have carved or what they might have done might have been up to something <laughs> yeah it was weird I'm like thinking oh three pentacles okay collaboration but then the eight was like no I don't mean collaborating I mean literally I carved something into like a wall or being something um yeah yeah interesting I mean, just go buzz everyone in that building in that yeah. one building <laughs> yeah boop, boop, boop. um that's so funny that's very cool thank you so much maybe I should carve something too before I leave in the in the spirit of my ancestors I do have a lock that's on a park um fence that I put there um in my neighborhood because it's like a place where people do stuff like that but I haven't carved so maybe that's my next before I leave this neighborhood I might take advantage of something. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Well, that's a great segue. So I was telling everybody that the second part of what we're trying to do here is to leave folks with tools. And so the tarot spread 
that mm -hmm. um, Claire's going to take us through a tarot spread that you can use. And you can explain it. But I also want to mention, if you're listening, obviously, you're either listening on the podcast or on YouTube or something like that, there is a link where you can click and you can get the PDF uh, so to follow along. So if you guys want to do that, that's great. But will you, will you guide us through um, the spread? And I might do it myself. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah, Why I'm going to do it too. I, okay. Of course, I'm not using my own deck. I'm using writer. I, I never read for myself anymore with my deck. Um, <laughs> so the spread is to tarot spread. But, you know, if you're, if you want to use an Oracle deck, I guess you could. You just need to have like kind of named figures to use in the place of court cards. But if you don't have a tarot deck, an oracle one I think it would still work okay um so the first this is like really simple I wanted because I love mundane stuff so much apparently um I wanted to give people an easy exercise and then just one simple instruction for afterwards okay. um okay so the first part the spread okay you want to take all your court cards out of your deck okay shuffle them and then pick one and okay. that will represent the uh, spirit or ancestor that wants to connect with you. Okay. And so I will. Oh, now I have King of Pentacles. Okay. <laughs> oh, I just had another thought about the tower. Sorry. Mm -hmm. As, we're, as yeah. we're shuffling. I will say we were recording this and I'm in New York City on 9-11, which is one of the most traumatic tower experiences. Um, yeah. So that's an interesting card for this specific day. It is. Yeah. It's sad. All right. Yeah, it's it's very sad. Um, all right. I'm almost done with the court card shuffling or all right. And so do you shuffle those cards? So you shuffle them and you pick one? Yeah. And that will be your how the ancestor kind of sees themselves and that's who you'll Okay. You know, connect here. with. All right. I got the Knight of Cups. You said you got the King of Pentacles? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you can return the court cards if you want. You can also leave them out. Like, I don't. I leave them out. Um, okay. Not everyone really likes to remove cards, but yeah. It's it's your call. Um, and so the next poll will be, what signs does the spirit give you? Like, when they communicate. So, okay. You want to think mundane. I know for you, it no, wouldn't I will, be mundane, I will. but I will, I will. for me, it is mundane, like little stupid things uh, that I probably miss a lot. Okay. Oh, minus five of cups, which is, uh, I think in Book of, I don't even remember what I wrote for Book of Sounds now, even though it's like, I put my actual spirit dictionary in there and I'm like drawing a blank, but I think I tied it a lot to, uh, alcohol abuse so my ancestors have decided to throw away everything I said here and that they do they do focus on their job um, okay mine was the hermit card Ooh. what do you think how do you think they show up for you okay so the first thing when I saw the knight of cups which is weird that you wouldn't think it was a grandfather but it feels mm -hmm. like my paternal grandfather and because the memory that immediately came to me was I had a picture of him on the wall and he, we were at a wedding and he was making a goofy face and I looked really pretty and that's why I picked it. And I put it on the wall and for 
a couple of weeks it kept on falling off the wall until I replaced it with a picture where he kind of looked like a knight of cups. It was like his military and he looked very handsome and like that's how he wanted to be represented. So even though he lived until through his 80s, I know that he sees himself as like the handsome, you know, guy in, from war. And then when I think of the hermit, just for me, because I, I just happen to know when I feel like most alone, I actually and I actually can feel him like the hermit, like cloaking me, like cloaking me with energy. And that's kind of what came to mind for me. Can I read you something? Yeah. So uh, the hermit from Book of yeah. Seances. Um, just the end little line of the spirit's message. This spirit could also be that of a grandparent or a person who lived well into old age. And you just said both those things. So I feel. Yeah. Oh, great. We're on it. Grandpa Meatball, he's always the front of the line. He is also a ham. Like he loves to be referenced in all of my work. <laughs> Wonderful. And what so, is Okay. What's, yeah. What's the next card? Uh, card three is how you can honor their uh, legacy. And I got right away I know who this is this ancestor um it's my third great-grandfather uh, mm. he's like a bit of a spirit kind of guide for me um and I got six of pentacles and they were extremely poor like my paternal ancestors mm. like my dad had dirt floors into his 60s you know oh. like they were poor you know um yeah. so six of pentacles I know right away is like helping I can do good for other people by helping you know Charity, whatever it is, charity it could be money, but it could be time. Things like yeah, that. being generous. Um, mm -hmm. for me, I got the hierophant, and I'm wondering if that's alluding to some of what you were talking about, like the spiritual practice and rigor of the dedication to the altars and stuff like that. What does it mean in your book? So I'm gonna read this one too. Um, so you know what's funny? Hmm. Earlier when I was doing your cards, I had the hierophant come out but it was like a it was like it fell out and I'm like oh that's not anything so I put it back but now I'm like, hmm, <laughs> um I think in the book of seances I talked about how this I can read it too actually um the spirit enjoys providing guidance and advice they may have been a community elder or religious leader they may be overbearing and perhaps rigid in their beliefs um and they can be found around religious monuments and churches. So I think it just, I, if I was going to read it for you, I would see that as how you are very in tune with devotion and like that you have, like you have your links that you said you don't skip, right? That's mm -hmm. not. So I, I think that's how I would see it. Nice. And just for the people that are listening, the reason why Claire is giving a little bit different information than maybe if you were to read this in a regular guidebook is because in, in her book, The Book of Sanses, she does explain, and actually in a future podcast, I cover this and I credit you. Um, there's a slightly different meaning when you use the tarot to talk to the deceased, mainly because it's they're trying to give you like the most literal answer as opposed to sort of the figurative answer which makes it a lot easier for people that are not well versed in tarot to actually mm -hmm. use their cards to jump in and I will also say pro tip is and I love your deck however it is more challenging I think with pip decks than it is with mm -hmm. other you want as much symbology and sort of like a picture as possible so that you can get some information from it yeah yeah especially if you're 
a beginner or you're looking for things, you know, like um, I did a reading for someone once where they kept getting, uh, they got strength and then they got the world and they got um, something that was maybe the wheel. I'm trying to think like, anyway, it was the lion's head and it was just an ancestor literally saying like, you can identify me by my birthday. I'm a Leo. Like, kind Oh, of got you. Um, and yeah. she picked up on that. So yeah, that was, you know, yeah, with a pip deck, if you're a beginner, it's not going to go well. Um, it just yeah, I would use something that's illustrated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can still buy my deck. If yes, you want. buy her deck. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But um, for this specific kind of practice, mm-hmm. and then another pro tip yeah. that we've discussed together before is also sometimes a deck that isn't your usual because you kind of have programmed yourself to know that certain cards mean certain things. So sometimes using a deck that is not in your regular rotation will highlight something different or activate a different part of your brain because you're not just automatically assuming you know what it means. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, that was like, I think one of the, my favorite things when I did that workshop at your store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I think that was your tip and that was really, really great. And yeah, I try to use decks. I'm not that then I yeah. have to actually read them, you know? Yeah. What's the next uh, card? So the next two cards, four and five, are what advice the spirit has for you right now. Okay. Okay. Oof. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I got an oof too. <laughs> I need, okay, I got the five of cups and the five of pentacles. <laughs> stop drinking and stop spending so much money (laughs) yeah uh i got three of swords so that's fun and the emperor which uh that always makes me so nervous because i identify as the emperor but i think it's just telling me like that i'm burnt out if i had to like guess what what it's saying um yeah what I like yours. I was going to say mine would be the mundane one, but this time yours was the mundane. Would you read it the same way? Because you said five of cups has to do with drinking, right? I have. Yeah. I just got back from a wedding and I was very hungover yesterday. I really, I could see it on my face, everything. So I was like, okay, I heard. And then how would you read the five of pentacles in your seances book? Uh, So for, for spirit, wise I um I generally read it as like poverty it could be that uh spirit doesn't want you to spend a lot because they're worried you will be um Mm -hmm. facing poverty um and that's probably their trauma and it's spilling Mm -hmm. spilling over be more frugal kind of thing um I I would read it that way if since it's advice um if we were using it to identify I'd say someone who faced a lot of yeah so yeah Yeah. I agree I mean these are um these are thoughts that I have been having lately I'm about to go on this massive trip for my sister's wedding and I've been spending a lot lately with all of these lots of celebrations and I'm like oh when I get back I should probably reel it in (laughs) reel it in a little bit um but that's a beautiful exercise so this is something that anyone that's listening can sit down Mm -hmm. and do I love the tip of taking the court cards out also a bonus is that I I know a lot of beginners kind of get 
tripped up by the court cards. So it's kind of nice to just like for this practice, just use it for one purpose and then not have to worry if like other people are poking into the reading or, or is this me? Is this someone else? Is this like a message? So, uh, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. The court cards, honestly, I still struggle with the court cards sometimes, you know, like when they show up as like a situation rather than, I'm like, please don't like just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think a lot of people when I teach um when I teach folks that's always the section that we have to spend the most time because it can be so many different things. So I like the mm-hmm. spread where you just remove it. And I'm all about removing cards from the deck. I mean not just because you don't like a card. I wouldn't do that, but you know with some of the readings that I guide people through it's like take this out specifically to anchor this sort of energy and then kind of go from there. Ah, Claire, yeah. this was so wonderful. We're right on time, which is incredible. Uh, Everyone go ahead and follow Claire. I'm going to put all of your stuff in the show notes, but Black in the Moon on Instagram, ClaireGoodchild.com, right? Online? Uh, Black in the Moon.com. Sorry, blackinthemoon.com. Thank you. Blackinthemoon.com online. Please, pre- please pre-order her book, The Book of Ancestors from Modern Mystic Shop. When you do that, you're going to get a download. We have a special gift that we're putting in with every order. Um, it would mean mm-hmm. the world to us to support our business through the pre-order of this amazing book. And then just to wrap it up, you guys, next month, um, the second Monday of October I'm forgetting the date. I think it's the 13th. I don't know. Whatever. You guys can look it up. We're going to have Kim Kranz, which is was like a personal hero of mine. And I'm very, very grateful to have her. Uh, and then the following month, we're having the Money Witch. So we've got some really good guests coming up to do something similar. We'll have a conversation. They'll give you some really good tips. And we'll just continue to educate and inspire. And hopefully you guys can um, take some really good, I know you can, some really good tips to deepen your ancestor practice. And then the next couple of episodes, three episodes, I'm going to be doing little mini bites about my personal experience with some miracles. So we covered a lot with Claire and then all of the fantastic, crazy stuff that I somehow encounter, we will cover in those episodes with, I've had some pretty mind blowing, crazy stuff, which is, I think that's my kind of fun. I think that's what it is. It's like, you have your kind of fun and I like, Mm -hmm. I have a different kind of fun and they speak to you however you want to be spoken to. So what we've learned today. So thanks everyone for joining us. And Claire, thank you so much for your work and for your time. Um, uh, It's just, this is the best. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Moonday Mystic by Modern Mystic Shop. Moonday Mystic is hosted and created by Kelly Knight, produced by Ariel Duncan, and inspired by magical listeners like you.